0: Thanks, man. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you, bro. Wow. (laughs) If you're a certain age, (laughs) that song kind of hits you hard, doesn't it? Hello? Yeah, you just you look back on your life and you just kinda like, wow. Holy smokes. It's like smoke, wasn't it? Like it just, the hard times that were really, really, really hard, the good times, and the challenges, and, uh, and there's a richness there, and it does. It happens, it goes fast. And I will say this <clears throat> there, there, is, there is free time, and the, the kids are gone, and sometimes the house is quiet, and then, and we've been blessed with the grandkids coming. And now we have grandkids at our house two or three, four days a week. And it's so funny. My wife's never been an ache and pain person. She literally heads for the bed like this. <laughs> because it's, but, it's, but again, this window is going to go like a, like, a, like a blink. Like my first grader, Marguerite, my oldest granddaughter, I picked her up at school this week and she came running towards me. Literally 50 yards across the school grounds. And I thought, okay, what year does that stop? You know, when is she not going to run in joy to see me? Uh, I'm hoping it's maybe when she's 36. <laughs> but I got a feeling it's going to come sooner than that, don't you? But I think it's so interesting when we think about our families in our life, and we're in this series, this mosaic series, which we're talking about relationships where you just define a mosaic as a collection of seemingly unrelated and diverse pieces. That when assembled in a particular manor, manner, are able to create something beautiful. That's what Kensington is. That's what our life is. That's what Clinton Township is. Zarba and I were just standing in the lobby and just and talking. We're thinking about the future. We've been meeting uh, pretty much every week at breakfast. And one of the things that we've always loved about our lives is that the two of us come from utterly, completely different backgrounds, And every one of you has a different story, right? God's writing a story in your family and in your place. And today, we wanted to talk about maybe what is the most challenging mosaic that's out there in human relationships, and it's called the blended family. The blended family is something that in our day and in our culture is everywhere. Many of you, it might even be possible That a majority of you are living in a connection with a blended family. And today, we wanted to encourage you. We wanted to paint a beautiful picture of this image where uh, one or both spouses bring children with them from previous marriages or relationships. That's the most extreme vision of a blended family and the most challenging. And here's what I loved about it as we were planning this service, we were all working on it, we're like, oh my goodness, this is the church. This is Kensington. This is what God called Dave Wilson and Mark Nelson and I 33 years ago. When we first met, started dreaming about this. This was what God told us to dream about. And, it, and not always, but often when I think of Kensington, I think of the image of what we are. I'd say, you know, people say, well, what's Kensington really like? It's like, it's like an island of misfit toys. <laughs> it is. You're like, God, it's thrown all these people together. I'm the only perfect person that I've met at Kensington <laughs> because it's just this God brought together this crazy group of people. I can remember the years when we were thinking about starting the church and people go, oh, but you'll never pull that off. They'd be like pointing me like, you're gonna do this? I'm like, well, actually, I'm hoping God's gonna do it because <laughs> I know I can't do it. And so as we think about that, I wanted to give you a couple of images of the church. One is this image of the church as an adopted family. Now that's a blended family, that's odd, right? That's not when you think of the first thing, but some of us were adopted here. I have adopted grandchildren now, which has totally changed my life and my perspective. But look at what God says through the apostle Paul in Galatians, but when the right time came, God sent his son, Jesus, born of a woman, subject to the law, and God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Now, how great is that? God says, I I came to find you. And because we're his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. So now you're no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. And since you're his child, God has made you his heir. Think about that. Everything that God has, he's made and made available to you and me. Like we are the richest people in the universe because God has taken us into his family. Here's what I want you to know. In every world religion, when people talk about God, they talk about God, they talk about the almighty, they talk about the all-powerful. But for people that have believed in Jesus Christ, you know what Jesus invites us to do? He invites us to call his Father, God who sent Jesus into the world, to call him Abba. It's unique in the world. It's unique in all world religions that you actually, when you pray, if you were to pray with the first word daddy, that's legit. You're not you're not trying to you're not trying to measure up or perform. God has come to find you and to find me. And then he's brought us together. And not only that, but the church is a diverse family. I don't have time to teach on Galatians 3, but God has brought people from every ethnic background, every socioeconomic background, every gender background. God brings, his, brings people together. But as we talk about blended family today, we, I, I just got a very short video I wanted you to see before I talk about how, what God kind of gives to us in the context of our families. But I want you to see the complexity and challenge that the blended family is real. Take a look at at this.
1: Our story begins when this guy met this girl and fell madly in love. First came love, then came marriage. Then came Emily, Michael, and John in a baby carriage. They were living the dream until doubt and isolation tore love apart. One love and one home became two. In another part of the world, a loving marriage welcomed two beautiful children. Life and love for this couple went along as they hoped, and they too were living the dream until mom became ill. Bad became worse, and worse ended the dream courageously dad strove to pick up the pieces and help his grieving children carry on and together they did until one day when this lady met this fellow wait where have i heard that before oh well one thing led to another and a new dream for a new home was born Yes, they knew there would be challenges merging homes, extended families, parenting strategies, finances, loss experiences, and holiday traditions, but they were confident that love would see them through. With hearts full of hope, they married. In the meantime, this guy, remember him? Announced that he and his girlfriend were getting married. They too had a dream for a new home. Okay, let's recap, shall we? What started out as two simple homes with four parents and five kids became three homes with three parents and five kids. And then became two homes with two parents, two step parents, five children, five stepchildren, and the living memory of a deceased mother. And. Five sets of grandparents, dozens of cousins, uncles, and aunts, colliding family traditions, kids with divided loyalties, a home with five children on some days and only two the next, two bedtimes, differing parenting styles, conflict between homes, debt from the past, questions about whether this marriage will last, and four adults who quickly realize that their simple dream to recreate their dream home has instead created a multi-household family that is not simple at all, but complex. (sighs) Love and hope has brought these families together, but how do they manage the complexity? And how do they make the dream reality.
0: Okay, take a deep breath, everybody. So, every, every person in a blended family out there, how true is that? Yeah, it's crazy, right? It's, and it's not just blended families, but every family. I mean, I grew up in Tennessee. I married a girl from Wisconsin. You talk about trying to blend two cultures. Do you realize how weird people are from Wisconsin? But this is, but I want to say, if you're in a blended family today, You're my hero. You're doing something that is one of the most challenging things in the world. And what's interesting is the way Jesus lived. In a sense, Jesus' family was exceedingly odd and blended along the way. When you read the Gospels and read the people who followed him, and the fact that almost every person Jesus connected with was an unlikely person. And so Jesus understands this dilemma of families and especially of blended families. And so the question is, what, what helps the dream become real, even in blended families? And here's what I want to say. I want to just give you a couple of simple things that I think Jesus gives us in the craziness of our lives. And I'm, when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to blended families, I'm thinking about my own life, which our life was full of rebellious kids who couldn't wait to get out of the house. And now grandkids and sons-in-law and, and, and extended family and all kinds of in-laws. Life is very complex for all of us. But here's what I want you to know that Jesus gives. You ready? Number one, Jesus gives us, our families, patience. There's a truth that the power of the Holy Spirit, that the gift of the Holy Spirit, when Jesus comes into our lives, that God the Father knew that we were going to need a ton of patience. In fact, what do people say, what, is, what, what, what do they say to grandparents? said, being a grandparent is reward for not killing your children. Come on, I think that's funnier than, maybe that's inappropriate, I don't know. But, but think of all the years of patience and then, and then the rewards that come. Ephesians 4 says this, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, and this is what I love, because this is what every relationship needs, every community, every organization, every family, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. doesn't mean you ignore the faults, but you you engage. We engage each other and, and speak truth and love to each other, but we make allowance. And I think there's this place where patience can change the world. It really can. Paula always said to me, she said, you know, we read news about the world. She said, you know, she said, if the rulers of the world, when they would come to meet together to discuss conflict, If every one of them were just required to hold a sleeping baby while they negotiated, the world would be a different place. It would, wouldn't it? Because there's this sense of patience and beauty and tenderness that God brings, and this is what the Holy Spirit brings into our lives. I was talking to a guy the other day, and he was just saying, gosh, I can't believe how tender I've become as I've gotten older. I'm like, that's good, because sometimes you get older, you get crabbier and grumpier. I was talking to a friend of mine said, said that his grandkids call, call I, I'm known as Gimpy. And he said, well, his, their grandfather's known as Grumpy. And he says it was real. I, I don't want to be known as Grumpy. Patricia now, who wrote the book Becoming a Step Family, in her re- research, discovered that it takes the average blended family seven years to integrate sufficiently to experience intimacy and authenticity in their relationships. Seven years is a long time. I've actually read studies that says when you marry someone, it takes seven years to be married. I think that's true. It took me 13 <laughs> because I'm a fast learner. She writes, fast families can accomplish this in four years if the children are young and the adults are intentional about bringing their family together. But I'm, I'm like, mm, doesn't happen often. However, slow families can take nine or more years. In my experience, Patricia Paper now says, very few adults come into their step family believing it will take this long. They think it will be a quick and painless blending process. <laughs> Not true. In the Smart family, Ron Deal, who we're hoping uh, he Ron was on Dave and Ann's radio nation, nationwide radio program, he says the best method for blended families in the SMART, in his book, The Smart Step Family, some of you might want to get, is the crock pot cooking method. Because crockpots work on two factors. What are they? Say them out loud. High, low, heat. low heat. Let's say that again. Low heat. Man, we don't need, in a step family, we don't need high heat. That is just going to break us apart. We don't need that in our regular families. It's this idea that in the crockpot of our family's life, we take all the ingredients and throw them into the pot, which is called the wedding day. We have some potatoes, carrots, celery, onions. We throw them all in. And that's the way a blended family begins. We think, oh, this is going to be great. But some are really connected like a biological parent and their children. Others are on opposite sides. But in a crock pot, do you stir everything? Do you? No, you give it time. Now, what's what's the problem with the crock pot now is people aren't going to stop using the crock pot. Now they're going to start using the Instapot. (laughs) But the Instapot doesn't work. For families. It doesn't work for regular families, and it doesn't work for blended families. No. The great thing about crockpots is you give it time. You let it cook for six or seven hours, and sometimes even longer, and then something is great. But in the crockpot, you know those darn carrots. What do the carrots do? They take longer. Every blended family, every family has Carrots. Sometimes you feel like everybody's a carrot, and it drives you nuts. But in this, the image is one of patience. And in that patience, with low heat, one of the things is to create places of safety where you can. It's a big deal. I love this. I love that, of how people are always finding creative ways. And if you're in a blended family or a regular family, I want you to ask yourself a question. How are we as a family creating safe places for other people, for our extended family? How are we creating low heat as opposed to rising heat? What hills are we dying on that aren't even worth fighting over? Because we're always, I mean, it's amazing what destroys families. Arguments over things that really don't matter. But it's only because we decided we were going to force the hand and raise the heat, and not be patient. Okay, so this is what God God does give our families patience. But he also gives his family perseverance. He gives us perseverance. Look at Galatians 6, 9. He says, boy, let's read this one together. This is important. Let's read this one together. Let us not become weary in doing good. Come on, read it like you mean it. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm telling you, that's real. It's real for every family. I remember that my daughter, Lindy, my oldest daughter, when she was about nine years old, separated from me emotionally. She didn't want me to hug her, whatever. And it lasted until her junior year in high school. And there were days when I'd walk through the house, I would want to. had three daughters and a son, and, man, I just loved her. She was so much like me, too. That's probably part of it. And I'll tell you, there were years I would walk through the room and I would just touch her on the shoulder. Say, hey, afternoon. Just touch her on the shoulder. Walk away. That's all I could do. That's not ideal, is it? Answer. Answer loud. No, it's not. But if that's all you can do to express love to your daughter who's separated herself emotionally for the time being, then that's what you do. You lower the heat. You create safety. Paul and I had five years where we did not think our marriage would survive. If you've been divorced, I totally understand that. God, in his grace, allowed us to make it somehow in this five-year window. And a lot of it was because of Paul's determination not to give up on me and my, my stupidity. But here's what I want you to know. Perseverance pays off. Ron Deal, in his book, says there's a step family promised land of marital intimacy, interpersonal connectedness, and spiritual redemption. He says, God has not abandoned you. If you will listen, trust, and continue walking by faith, you'll hear him confirming your journey, offering guidance and healing, and providing a way forward. But you must trust him. Don't be like most remarried couples who end their journey in divorce within the first three years. Don't quit before crossing the sea of opposition or finding the rewards on the other side. God beckons you, remain persistent and see your family through to the promised land. There's a reward to be gained, but you must hold God's hand and walk through. I'm telling you, that encouragement is for every one of us in this room, everyone listening on the stream. God is saying, don't give up. And I love that. I love it when people in my life Keep persisting, keep growing, keep learning, keep stretching, keep living in relationship with other people. This is a powerful thing. And for those of you, as I think about perseverance, man, if we could just make allowances for each other, if we could just bear each other's burdens a little bit, not not grow weary in doing good, man, something great can happen with our lives. So, got one more point but I got one of of our Kensington Clinton Township superstars to share this point with me. Tracy Hinkle is going to come out in just a minute. I want to receive the offering at this time if the ushers are ready to do that. And I I want to say this. Perseverance affects everything we do. The reason Kensington exists is because people gutted it out and gave sacrificially. People have served. The, the, The willingness of the people of this campus to go the distance is incredible. And when you give... It's a part of that journey along the way. I love that. In fact, starting next week, we have a new series called The Blessed Life, where we're really talking about what does it look to live a life that when your life is over, you look back and people go, that life was truly blessed. That's what we're going to start next week, that series. So, Tracy Hinkle, where are you? Come out here, girl. Give Tracy a big hand, Well you? I know you love her. You are, um, she's... She, now, just because she's vertically challenged, yeah. <laughs> she, this is a powerful woman. And uh, you and your husband are an amazing team. When I think of all across Kensington and what God is doing through you guys, it's unbelievable. Don't you agree? Yeah.
2: Thank it's you, amazing. Steve. Thank and so,
0: as we, we just talked about it, the blended family, the challenge. You found yourself in a blended family. It wasn't your plan, but this is how God led you. We talked about patience and perseverance. Right. You can reflect on that. But also talking about how God has brought great people into your life. Right. I think you're one of those people for me. Thank you. So just talk to us about the splendid family okay. thing.
2: Well, God does give us people, and that's a really important part, the patience and the perseverance. But sometimes we need a little help to do that. Or
0: a lot. Or a lot of help. Yeah.
2: Right. And uh, I think uh, this verse in Galatians 6, 2, if we look at that one, it really uh, spells that out for us. Bring that up.
0: Yeah, the Galatians 6.2, carry each other's burdens.
2: Right. It's talking about carrying each other's burdens. And, and what, what is so important about that, it gives that image, that feeling of Straight like on. we are not alone. God doesn't want us to be alone. It gives that image of we're carrying something really heavy. Mm-hmm. And just when we're about to, to give up and drop that burden, somebody to, in a timely mm-hmm. manner comes along and helps us out. Oh, man. And I think that's what's so important. Okay, just
0: stop it. Just, just for one second. None of us would be here without those people in our lives right
2: right holding us up these
0: faces flashing through my mind right right yeah
2: and for us as blended families um you know steve mentioned seven years to blend a family and jim and i are married seven years this year and seven years ago (laughs) i remember saying it's not going to take seven years uh steve talked about the crock pot but what we were was the blender And we just thought, well, we love each other, and we'll just throw them all together, and they'll figure it out. And I bet many of you can relate to that. But we went to a workshop called Blended Family Workshop, and we watched this uh, message about the crockpot versus the blender, and it was so enlightening. And what I discovered is we didn't know what we didn't know. I, I, unfortunately, I grew up in a blended family. Now I find myself in a blended family getting ready to repeat exactly what I was shown growing up, and that just doesn't necessarily work. So in these workshops, we learn strategy and the complexity. You saw the little video on it about why the kids are the way they are and why we might emotionally respond the way that we do, and we get some help. And we interact with people who are modeling to us how they went through it. And mm-hmm. that's, that's so important is to have somebody Huge. model it to us. And, and like you said, Steve, you know, is a blended family, is it God's design for family? Everything in this world is not God's design. And I think there was a time and place where I felt shame about it and embarrassment. I remember,
0: I remember thinking I was going to create the perfect family because I'm <laughs> the perfect person, right? Right, and then you just then you just look back over the years and you see, oh my gosh, all the flaws, all the mistakes I made. No, I didn't. I didn't think I would do all that, but that's the reality,
2: right? That, but that I've seen
0: God use that, so sorry, just that.
2: Right, right, just definitely. That. In every family, but also especially blended families. And I, and I think there's shame and there's regret, and that's really where the enemy wants to keep us looking backwards. But the solutions are forward where Jesus Christ is at, and that's what we learn through these, these workshops is how to apply it. And that God wants to redeem these families, and they are just important to him as any other family. Mm. We don't have to say we're not traditional or we're not traditional or we're we're not broken, we're blended It's two families coming together, and it does take time and patience and perseverance. Mm. Um, You know, one of the things that helps is to interact with other people who have done it and who have gotten it right and figured it out. I don't know if we ever always get it right, but we make progress in that. And something that really helped me was going through that workshop. And we have a video right now that um, there's a couple that they really um, lived out exactly what you taught and what they've what we learned in that little video and I think that really says it all um, so this is the rushings and the Jacobsons. Yeah. so check out this video okay.
3: I was leading divorce recovery at the time and Renee came into the program
4: we really ended up becoming friends when we ended up in a Bible study shortly after that together
3: I noticed her and then we got to know each other in the group, how you do the introductions. And she says, I have four children. And I said, well, I have four children, so there was no way I was ever going to date this gal. So we just kicked off a friendship.
4: So that was for about a year that we ended up just kind of hanging out in a group. And then we were spending a lot of time together, one-on-one. And I think it was me that finally said, are we dating?
5: We were always just over at their house or doing stuff together, activities together, and I didn't understand, and I was just like, "What?" Well, there's a little more to this than... Yeah, they're hanging out yeah. a lot.
1: Something's up here.
6: <laughs> and I was a little older at the time when they started hanging out, and so I think maybe I could tell what was happening a little faster than everyone else. And I'm like, oh, my dad has a crush on this lady. I can tell because <laughs> he'd get all nervous when he was around her. Well, we've always told Dad, every time he went out, you know, get us a new step so <laughs> we, were, we were ready um, for him to meet someone, and we really liked Renee when we first met her. I
4: don't remember getting any pushback from any of them. It, the pushback didn't come until we announced the engagement. That's when things kind of changed.
1: It's like, why is this happening? It's like, <laughs> I gotta move again. I'm like, now we're gonna go into a new house. Felt
5: like we didn't have a choice in it, we were just thrown in it, and it was just kind of like, hey... This is happening. Deal with it.
4: But again, we have to remember that our kids are a year or two behind where we are. We had fallen in love. We were good. It was our kids that had to get used to that idea and kind of realize that they were becoming a family, too.
5: Me and him and our other little brother, Joey, who moved in with us, we were all just, like, not for it and just kind of, like... we didn't like them. We didn't like We didn't like Mike. We didn't want to deal with it. We didn't want to switch schools. You know, at the same time, also, I also, love my mom, and I trust my mom, so I knew she's not going to bring me to a house where, um, where I'm going to be miserable at all the time.
4: I think we ex- I expected it to be a little bit easier just because they were already friends and they all got along so well. Um, I wasn't expecting the challenges that
6: really hit us. I wasn't used to having a woman in the house as like a mother figure um, because I had a single dad for so long. So having this woman come in and put all her toiletries in my bathroom and move all my stuff around and kind of felt like things were happening without my permission or without my consideration. So at the beginning, like it was really hard. The biggest conflict I saw was that my dad parented very differently than Renee parented. Um, But Renee is so soft and so gentle and so nurturing and caring. And -hmm. that's how she raised her boys. And I know Renee would, like, wake up everyone for school in the morning. And the way she would wake up everyone for school is she would go and she'd be like, Hey, bud, time to wake up. You're so beautiful and you're so smart and you're pretty and everyone's great. And let's, you know, let's go start the day. And my dad the way we woke up every morning was he would have (laughs) pots pots and and pans (laughs) and he would just go through the house with pots and pans as loud as he could. And so I think the boys like hated my dad for that for a while was just like, mm -hmm. you're not nice. Even
5: though I was happy for my mom at the same time, I was just like, you know, this dude's not my dad. I'm not, you know, I don't want him to try to be my dad. And it felt like he was, It just made everyone upset and just everyone on edge.
4: It was probably three three years into our marriage. And I told Mike, I said, I'm just, I want to move out. When the kids graduate, we'll, we'll do this again. I can't do this anymore. And it's just, it's ripping him apart from his kids, me from mine.
3: I came upstairs. She had a laptop open and she was looking for places to live in. My heart sank. And uh, I said, I got to leave. Christ calls me to leave my home. I got to leave now. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I just rolled over and just began to pray, saying, Lord, give us some answers. Um, I didn't get those answers. I prayed for her. I prayed for us. She got those answers in her women's Bible study.
4: Just something came over me, I mean, this is the wrong decision. This isn't what God wants for us. This isn't what he intended. And came home and said that, um, I can't do this to our kids. We've, we've, We're trying to build this home. We're trying to show them stability. We're trying to show them a Christian family, marriage, and something that they can hopefully mimic later in life and not end up in this situation as a blended family to begin with.
3: It wasn't but except through Blended Family Workshop that I was able to open my eyes to some of the things that I needed to really uh, focus on. And I prayed that God would give me uh, some wisdom and he delivered uh, an individual in that group Daryl Kress was a gentleman who came into my life and said, I think you might want to try this. You might need to throw your son out. The relationship between he and Renee was, um, it was crescendoing to probably get into probably violent.
4: You don't ever want to put your spouse in a position that they have to choose between you or their child.
3: I had to be the man in my home, um, and I'm going to protect my wife. I told her that's what I was going to do. When we got married, I never thought I'd have to protect my wife from our internal family. Daryl was very, very, he led me all the way through this, and I'm very, very thankful for his wisdom and guidance. There were some apologies that were made. He found Christ. He came home. Uh, I got a chance to baptize him, and uh, the relationship that he has now with her is only because of God.
6: When we all got into cool. high school, I think that's when it started to, like, blend, and we yeah. started to get along. It
1: started to get fun
6: started to get fun, yeah. and we also started to gang up on our parents.
4: We get stories now as they get older about things that they used to do together to behind our backs and, you know, how they were kind of like little gang
6: members. I think we got to know each other way better, and we got to know each other's personalities and everyone's quirks. I think it just takes time. It's not something that happens in the snap of a finger. Um,
5: yeah, I mean, that's what, two, three years of living together yeah, Before we really felt like this is our family.
6: Um, I also feel like that was the time where we started to call each other like, "Oh, this is my brother. This is my yeah. sister." Instead of,
0: "This yeah, is my stepbrother. step-brother. Yeah. This is my
6: stepsister." Yeah. My advice for parents that are blending um, would just be be persistent and be patient because the kids will come around. It'll it'll work out, and if you set the example and you put God first in your life. Um, it's going to work out. They put God at the center of their relationship and it's so evident in our family today.
4: Lower your expectations because I think you go in thinking that you're going to have this perfect family and um, things are just going to work out great because you're in love and... That's what it's gonna happen.
1: If I knew
5: how close we'd all be now, it would have been so much easier back then. Oh yeah.
6: my gosh, yeah.
5: Not only do I have a better relationship with my family, but my my, stepfa- my stepfather has pushed me to have a better relationship with God.
3: You're gonna wanna quit. It's a normal reaction. You're gonna wanna go back to what you know, what was comfortable. I'll tell you to push through those, those are hurdles. Get as much help as you can. Um, but God has been faithful. He's, he's taught me so much. He's brought people into my life. Um, when I needed the wisdom um, and I'm, I'm very, very thankful.
6: And you know, God can make a family out of all of this, <laughs> then he can make a family out of anybody yeah. because we came from completely different personalities and backgrounds and different struggles and different messes. But yet it now 10 years later, you're looking at it and it like blends perfectly.
0: I just, I hope
2: that, I hope that you all hear the hope in that. There can't be one person in this audience that doesn't know a blended family, whether you have a family member, and it's so confusing because even as outsiders, you just want to say, just, just figure it out. What's the big deal? My family told my daughter who struggled, don't you want your mom to be happy? But she had to work through her own feelings. Like you heard some of those, that the kids were probably surprising. Toiletries were in the way, and that set her off, you know. (laughs) There are just things that you don't, all the emotions attached to them. But but the hope was that they invited Christ into the middle of this family. And I think what happens is we're talking about blended families today so you can understand how complex they are. And once you understand them, You can respond differently. And if you're in one, you know how to invite God into it now. Not just say, oh, Lord, help me with this mess, Mm -hmm. but help me with this particular relationship. Help me with this particular um, situation and and guide us through it and put people in our lives to be able to get through it so that you don't give up. And then they talked about legacy. I know that every blended family in here or people you know, they don't want their children. They have to go through this. So we have an opportunity to model for our kids and break that that tie, that generational tie of, of divorce and remarriage and change the future and change the legacy of our grandchildren. It's so inspiring to know that there's hope out there.
0: It sure is. I was thinking of how um, a good buddy of mine uh, was unfaithful to his wife a few years ago, and uh, he goes... So this is what I'm going to be remembered for the rest of my life. And I said, no. You're going to be remembered for seeking forgiveness and for humbling yourself and for coming back and seeking the forgiveness of your kids and of trusting God. And you're going to be remembered for humbly coming back to Jesus Christ and rebuilding the torn walls of your life. And I think there's this incredible power with this story I just, wow, it's so moving because the dad was willing to ask his son to leave the house mm-hmm. in order to honor his, his wife. And, boy, you don't think there was an incredible heat and, and the difficulty in making that decision? And here's the other thing, is that what I've learned in the church and what I've learned through you and Zarb and the whole team, Wilson, now everybody, I've worked, is that God is going to use our brokenness more than he's going to use anything else. Because we all all want to bring our talents and our strengths, you know, and all the beautiful... I mean, just look at this. Just bring this to the equation. But God takes the broken parts and that's what he uses for his kingdom. Because I think when we talk about mosaic, it's broken pieces. It's not little carefully cut it's broken pieces that somehow come together to paint amazing pictures along the way so just encourage people one more time again what are the steps need to be taken
2: we've got some great next steps here and i'm passionate about them because jim and i have gone through them ourselves and we're leading them now so we have a blended family workshop coming up that's going to start in march and then we have a blended family like all day video cast may 2nd at the troy campus well, if cool. a lot of you respond and you want some help, we're going to add another blended family workshop here. We'll just see. We want you to go out to the hub and just fill out a card if you want information at all. Just if you want to be informed. Because we, we don't know who's blended and who's not and who's grandparents and aunts and uncles. Like, you are all in this together. This understanding of it can change everything. Because it is about the carrots. It's about the kids. She mentioned in the video that they're two, two years behind you're all in love and you want to get married or you've gotten married and they, they're just throwing wrenches. They're just not cooking. But understanding it will
0: help yeah, you know. Yeah, wrenches don't cook real right. well <laughs> in the crock pot. That's right. Yeah. Don't, well,
2: I don't like to cook, so maybe I just don't have that right. <laughs> <laughs> just ask Jim. He's the cook. So uh, we just want to encourage you. And in your own families, whether if you're not in a mm. blended family, it is often a struggle to remember it's God, spouse, children. Mm. And when we forget that, everything is out of order and everything falls apart. And that's really hard to do in a blended family. I find myself often God, Mm. gym kids, gym kids, gym kids, but he's gotta be first so that we can can change the way that we parent our families. We wanna help you learn how to do that.
0: I would say, when I look back at that original video today, biggest challenge, not just in blended families, but in all of our lives, is isolation. When things go bad, there's something in the brokenness of our lives that makes us wanna isolate. Instead, what God wants us to do is seek community and to be in a relationship. And even when we're trying to forgive each other, we kind of want to half forgive, but we want to keep our distance or that isolate, and it doesn't work. As We we thought it would be a really cool way to end this day by singing together, but also by celebrating the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus offering the bread and the cup is a sign of his commitment of love to us. But here's what... Here's what hit me as we were preparing this service. Think about this. Jesus says, the band can come out. We're ready for you guys to come out and just be a part of this. But this is what Jesus did that was incredible to me. It's my favorite communion verse where Jesus says to his disciples, he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you. Like I, I have been looking forward sharing this moment with you. Does anybody know where the where the rest of the, the sentence goes? I have eagerly desired to have this meal with you before I suffer. So he's not setting up a meal for this perfect situation. He's setting up a meal and all hell's getting ready to break loose as soon as this meal is over. And his family is these 12 guys cuz his own family has rejected him. By the way, you mentioned mention me that Jesus grew up in a blended family, stepdad, the whole thing. But Jesus looks at these guys and he's getting ready to have this meal. And what does he know? He knows that every guy is going to betray him. Literally, that within hours of taking the bread and the cup together, that all 12 of these guys, one's going to betray him, one's going to deny him, and the rest are going to run for their lives. And yet, what does he do? He says, I've so much wanted to have this meal with you. So, as this bread and cup are coming by, I want you to hear Jesus' voice to you. You, man, you, woman, whoever you are, Jesus longs for you. The grief in your family, Jesus weeps over it with you. He died on the cross to bring us back into relationship. And here were these 12 guys that were going to isolate. And I love the legacy thing. Because is it the disciples' legacy that they ran when Jesus was arrested? That they ran, they lied, they cheated, they hid? Is that their legacy? Somebody answer me out loud. No. Their legacy is that they trusted. And they followed. And they persevered. And they all ended up, except for John who was horribly tortured, the rest of them were executed for their faith. That was their legacy. And I want you to know, as Tracy and I are talking to you today and seeing you, we see you in that way. I honestly don't care about your failures. I don't care about mine. I mean, yes, they're there and they're real and they hurt and they sting. But I care about the fact that Jesus is building something new in us along the way. You with me on that?
2: Sure am okay. every step.
0: Great. So we're gonna sing and worship as you hold the bread and the cup. Just think about the incredible love and the legacy that Jesus is building and wants to build in you and in me. No matter what, no matter how many failures. He came for us knowing we'd be flawed. He loved us anyway.